You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Money Pit is presented by the Angie app and Pavestone. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. On a beautiful fall day, we hope that it's nice in your part of the country. And if you are inspired to take on some projects while the weather is so pleasant, we call this the Goldilocks season because it's not too hot, it's not too cold. We are here to help you get those jobs done. You can reach out with your questions, whether you're Starting a project, whether you're stuck in the middle of the project or whether you're planning a project, we would love to hear what you're working on. A couple of ways to get in touch with us. Go to moneypit.com slash ask. Click the blue microphone button. You can record your question for the fastest possible response. Or you can use the old-fashioned phone and call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. That's 888-666-3974. Coming up on today's show, if you felt the chill of high heating bills last winter... The best way to lower costs and warm things up is by adding extra insulation right now. We're going to share the best place to add that insulation and the very common insulation mistake that so many home improvers make and can absolutely ruin your energy efficiency. And also ahead, building a paver patio is a project that most DIYers can handle in a single weekend, but pavers don't have to be the size of bricks. Today, more and more homeowners are opting for a larger format paver called Stepstones. We're going to walk you through that process just ahead. And did you know that using a dishwasher instead of washing dishes by hand uses almost 40% less water and saves you $40 in energy costs? Leslie, I think a lot of folks don't believe that. They think it's completely the opposite. They think a dishwasher uses so much more water than doing it by hand, but it's just not the case. So we're going to share some tips on that and more ways to cut your cleaning costs. But first, what project are you dreaming about tackling? We've got a great fall season ahead of us, lots of time to tackle a bunch of projects before that really cold weather sets in. So if you are dreaming about it, let us help you get that project done. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974, or go to moneypit.com slash ask. Let's get to it. Natalie in Wisconsin's on the line and is having some issues with old windows. Tell us about the problem. Hi, I have vinyl windows, which... Uh, served us very well, but now that they're older and I want to raise them up, oh, five or six inches, uh, they won't, won't stay there, so I have to brace them up or else they'll fall down and they are quite heavy. Do you have any recommendations? So the window jams have springs in them and the springs have obviously broken down and the problem with vinyl windows is unless it's a name brand where you can easily find parts, is that it's really almost impossible to get those fixed. Okay. And so I, I'm not going to have a really good solution for you here, Natalie. Uh, if it was an old wood window, we could talk about ways to, to deal with that because it's a vinyl window. Uh, it's already an upgraded window. And if the internal parts are breaking down, it's, it's difficult to find 
uh, repair parts for that. Okay, yes, I have been trying, and I I didn't have any any luck so far. Well, I mean, I would search online for the manufacturer and see if there are repair parts available. But uh, short of that, it might be time to start thinking about new windows. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Sam in Idaho, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? I have a length of cedar fencing someone gave me. Uh, I'm in a planet. Uh, it's 10 or 12 years old, never been in the ground. I'm just curious if uh, you would recommend treating the post. Well, you can treat the post if you want to put like a wood life on it and make sure you get into the end grain. It'll help a little bit. But I mean, the best way to stop that post from rotting is more about the installation. And what I would recommend is this. I would use a post hole digger to dig it the hole just slightly wider than the post itself. I would put about four inches of gray gravel stone in the bottom of the hole, set the post on top of that stone, and then use the rest of the stone to fill around the post and tamp it down. Now, you can use a tamping iron, or if you don't have a tamping iron, you can use the butt end of a 2 by 4 uh, to, to do the same thing. But do not concrete those posts into the ground because the concrete will hold a lot of water against the post that will cause rapid deterioration. If you just put the stone in, it'll be really, really strong uh, and it'll drain well. So that's the best way to preserve it. Okay, guys. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Donna in Arkansas is on the line and has a noise issue. How noisy is that place? Well, I don't know. It's my son and his roommate live in a duplex, and the common wall between their living rooms, they can hear the neighbors, and so I'm sure the neighbors can hear them. They were just wondering what they could do on that wall to block some of the noise. What they would need to do requires a pretty significant addition to the existing wall. What they would do is they would have to put a second layer of drywall over the existing layer, and... There's two options here. You can use a noise-resistant drywall. There's a couple of different brands of this out there. It basically it has some sound deadening built into it. Or you can use a product called Green Glue, which is sort of like a gelatin-like adhesive, and you would apply that to the old wall, and then you would put new drywall over that, and that creates um, a noise barrier. Uh, and you also have to be very careful around the outlets and any uh, openings in the wall, and they have to be sealed properly. And even after you do all of that, you will still probably get some sound uh, through that wall. Unfortunately, soundproofing is not is harder to do after the fact than it is to do when you're building it from scratch. So not always the answer exactly that you want to hear, but, but that's really what it takes to try to soundproof uh, the rooms in this situation. All right. Well, we sure appreciate you taking our call. Hey, Money Pit listeners. If we've saved you some time, money, or hassles with your projects, you would totally make our day by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. 
And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. All right, we've got Arthur in Tennessee on the line. He's dealing with a painting problem. What happened? Uh, not much. I'm working on a building in old downtown Johnson City, building the 1890s, and Fantastic. trying to strip some brick. Okay. I've stripped part of the brick that was done in the 1950s and had good success, but this is older brick, and I'm not even sure. I think it was made on site, and... It's solid and everything, but I wondered what kind of modern options were out there for getting paint off of brick. What did you use to get the paint off of the 1950s brick? I used a product called Pillaway, and it worked great. Okay. And did you try the same product on the uh, on the older brick? Uh, I'm afraid to use it because it's got a rougher finish. Well, that means you're going to have more uh, binding of the paint to the surface. But what I would do is I would try it in an area that was perhaps a bit less conspicuous, you know, like not at eye level, maybe down towards the bottom or uh, if there's any other area that you really don't care as much about. If you had good success with that particular product, I, I don't see any reason not to continue with it, at least to see what happens. Um, is this a, a product that is uh, environmentally friendly, or do you find that it's pretty caustic? It, it says it's biodegradable and a water-based product, but, you know, you do wear gloves and wear long sleeves, but it it's amazing on uh, how it works. I just, uh, I've had people come by and say, well, why aren't you using sandblasting or dry ice and i didn't know if that is an option or well here's what here's why you definitely can't use sandblasting because those old bricks um will be damaged by that process and okay. and it, you know it's it's costly as well so i would tell you if the product that you're using is working well i, I see no reason not to keep uh working with that and i'm not really familiar with dry ice but i i can't imagine that that's very easy to use certainly it's very well, difficult to handle and potentially dangerous off. as well yeah paint very well yeah i agree i'd stick with what you're working on if you got concerns about it um i would definitely try an inconspicuous area whether that's the back of the building or the bottom of the building you know someplace that you don't care about as much we always give that advice when you're using a, a product like this uh and then just go on from there okay hey i really appreciate it and i love your guys show well thanks art good luck with that project and uh, congratulations it sounds like uh, it's going to be a really beautiful building when you're done Lorna in Rhode Island is dealing with some flies at home. Tell us what's going on. Um, fruit flies. <laughs> they seem to be invading the kitchen, and I'm thinking they're heading for the garbage disposal area, but I'm not really sure. I mean, are they coming up out of the garbage disposal? No, they don't seem to be. I mean, generally, if you think they're coming to the sink or from the sink, sometimes people will actually put some tape over that drain and just seal that off to see if they are coming from there. And this way, if they're getting stuck on the underside, you know they're coming up from the drain, and then that would be a different approach. Oh, yeah, you could do that okay. during the day. Say, when you when you go out for the day, just cover the drain temporarily with the tape and keep an eye on it. And Great the other idea. thing that you could do is you could, if that's the case, then you could put um, some chlor- some bleach down that drain or maybe some OxyClean or something like that, and then cover the top of it, and that tends to really uh, sort of gas any that are sort of laying in there. Oh, okay. 
go straight bleach or mixed with water or? No, you could just put some straight bleach down there or you could use uh, OxyClean, the powdered okay. bleach. All right. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, with temperatures dropping, now is the best time to think about adding insulation to help lower those heating costs and improve your comfort. But if the thought of working in a dusty, cramped space while avoiding stepping right through the ceiling below just doesn't appeal to you, you're going to be glad to know that this can be a good project to hand off to a qualified contractor and be done for a relatively low cost. We've got tips for using all sorts of insulation in today's Home Solution Tip presented by Angie. Now, first off, you really need to think about what kind of insulation you'd like to invest in. Now, insulation pros can help guide you because some of this is dependent upon how your home is built, but there are really just three common types. Now, spray foam insulation seals leaks and gaps inside existing walls and really is the perfect solution for those who are looking for a relatively inexpensive way to fix a larger problem while increasing their home's R value. Now, we use this on our home, and the results were really nothing short of amazing. The way it works is that an insulation pro will mix the foam and then spray it onto the rafters or the ceiling joists, where it expands to both insulate and seal at the same time. Now, blown-in insulation, this is another option that's been popular for a lot of years in homes all over the U.S. It's usually made from cellulose, but it could also be made of fiberglass, and it has a higher-than-average R value, and it all depends on how deep you're blowing the insulation in. Now, the way it works is that there's a mechanical blower attached to a supply of cellulose, and then the pro essentially points where they want that insulation to go, and then they fill that cavity. Now, lastly, fiberglass bats are among the most inexpensive ways to insulate your home, especially in an already open space like an attic. The important part about installing fiberglass bats, though, is to pay close attention to how they're installed. For attics, it's important to use unfaced fiberglass bats. You lay them perpendicular to the floor joist and be sure that the attic has enough ventilation to make sure it doesn't become damp and wet, which can make the insulation very ineffective. And if you want to avoid a real critical mistake, Don't put that vapor barrier in upside down. If you put that vapor barrier in facing up, it's going to trap a lot of moisture in that insulation and it will render it completely useless. Very common mistake that I used to see done all the time in the many years I spent as a home inspector. And that's today's home solution tip presented by Angie. Angie makes it easy to compare quotes from multiple local pros so you can find the best price for your project. Download the Angie app today. Has a guy in Maryland, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have a, a crawl space. It's about four foot high. And um, I had always have this moisture problem inside the house. I mean, it, the house fogs up, the windows fogs up real bad. And after doing some research, I don't know, I was assuming that it was my crawl space was doing it. So I went out and bought the vapor barrier to put underneath there, but... I came up with this problem where I don't know how to secure it to the wall or how far up the wall I should put it because I don't really want to punch any more holes in that wall. Here's the thing. There's a lot of reasons that you may have high humidity in the house. What I would suggest you do is to get a, a very thick visqueen vapor barrier, lay it edge to edge in the crawl space and let it overlap about four feet. I wouldn't worry so much about sealing it against the wall. Yeah, it'll make it a little bit better, but I I think we can. it'll probably do an amazing job just by itself. But you don't want to stop there. You want to address the reason that the crawl space is so damp, and that's outside. 
Typically what happens is if the grade around the yard, especially right near the house, the first four to six feet is flat, you'll have a lot of water that will soak into that soil and work its way into the crawl space. The other thing is if your gutters are clogged, or if your downspouts are not extended away from the walls, typically downspouts will dump about a foot or two away from a foundation wall. And that's kind of silly because the water just does a U-term and runs right back onto the house. But if you were to extend those downspouts, make sure the gutters are nice and clean and, and regrade the soil at the perimeter so that it slopes away, all of those things will reduce the amount of moisture that gets into the crawl space and hence up into the house because the vapor will move up through the floor structure and get into the rest of the house. And then in the house, you could address um, ventilation in the attic by adding a ridge vent uh, and a soffit vent, and that will kind of help flush it out. And, and essentially, you'll have a system that will move that moisture right through. But I wouldn't get too hung up on how to attach that plastic to the walls. I would just lay it down as best you can with as few seams as possible and then improve the grading and the drainage of the foundation perimeter. And I think you'll see a big difference just with those couple of things. Oh, that sounds like a... A better idea than I had, and I was just trying to rock my brain figuring out how to secure it to the wall and how far up the wall I should go. But, I mean, I think I'll try what you said now and see if that works. I'll give you one other uh, trick, and that is that if it turns out you still have a lot of humidity in in the crawl space, there is a type of vent fan that's designed to work in a crawl space. It actually fits in the space of a typical crawl space vent. And you can get these fans and have them hooked up to a humidistat, which is a humidity sensing switch. And then when the humidity gets high in the crawl space, the fan comes on and helps to pull in some dry air from the outside. Oh, wow. I would do that after you do everything else we're talking about, but that's just one other tip that you might be able to use, okay? Is there any specific place you can get the humidistat on that vent fan from? Well, the vent fans, you can find them online, and they come with humidistats, or you can order it. Okay. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like the same kind of switch that you might have for an attic fan, which I don't recommend, by the way, but it, it's humidity based instead of temperature based. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. 
That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Lauren, Connecticut's on the line and needs some help with a project. What are you working on? I was listening to your program on Saturday, okay, and you were referring to galvanized nails rusting with uh, siding. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have a similar problem. If I polyurethane the, the nail and tank over it, would that work or would it chip? It will still rust through if you don't have the right kinds of nails. Uh-huh. See, if you're, if you're talking about cedar siding, what you should have used uh, or the carpenter should have used was a stainless steel nail. Uh, those nails oh, obviously okay. won't rust. If they're standard galvanized nails, you do tend to get sort of a bleed through it. Now, if you refinish the siding and, and you stain it or paint it, then, you know, then, and you prime it first, by the way, then you probably will do a pretty good job of stopping most of that from coming through. But if the, the problem generally oh, happens okay. when you want to stain it because you want to enjoy the grain of the wood, then it's really hard to cover it up. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Unless, of course, you go with rust-colored stain, right, Leslie? <laughs> <laughs> you could do that. Oh, okay. That sounds you can't, good. can't beat them, join them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Good luck, Laura. Well, building a paver patio is a project that most DIYers can handle in a single weekend. But pavers don't have to be the size of bricks. Today, in fact, more and more homeowners are opting for a large format paver that's called a stepstone. Yeah, now these are 24 by 24. They come in a lot of colors and in some ways can be even easier to build than a traditional paver patio. With us to talk about that is Ted Woods from Pavestone. Ted, these wider format styles are becoming super popular. I mean, we see trends toward larger format tile, for example, inside the home. And now we're seeing more and more people going with those large format concrete stepping stones for patios, driveways, walkways. What are you guys seeing? Well, that's what we're seeing. We've seen a lot of these coming out in commercial areas, seen in gathering areas, parks, restaurants, um, wineries. And once people see that there, then they kind of gravitate to, hey, I want that in my home. I really like that style. So we're starting to see more and more of these items in retail locations so the homeowners can come and get these easily. But that 24-inch, that large format has really been popular over the last year and gaining popularity. We see people do so many different things with it. You can you know, lay them down and cover them big area fairly quickly and you don't have to do quite as much prep work you know as like for the smaller pavers you can it's a little easier to get a large area laid down for these and also you can get a little more creative we've got a couple different designs in that 24 by 24 inch um, paver and stepping stone one's just a smooth but with a beautiful blended color our plants make some great earthy tones as well as the gray and granite kind of blends that are very popular right now Then we also make some of those large ones with the little embossed lines on them. So when you lay them down, you get some great contemporary linear looks to it. So it's really fun to see what people come up with. Some will space it apart and put grass in between them or gravel just to give it a different look. Or some people may do just a simple project like putting their trash can, you know, parking it next to the edge of your garage. (laughs) You can throw down a couple of these and your project's (laughs) done in an hour. I love all these options of design in this large format of 24-inch square because it kind of helps you extend your interior design style out of doors. You really can connect those dots from inside to outside. Yeah, you know what surprised me about these large blocks, too, is, and even the large tile, is you would think that they don't work in small areas. But they actually make smaller patios 
look much bigger, the same way they make small bathrooms look huge when you have these large format tiles. So it's a really interesting sort of contradictory result. Most people wouldn't think that these large blocks are, are going to make a small area look large, but they do, and they're very elegant. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's less, I mean, the smaller ones give you a lot more lines that your eye catches than these bigger ones. It's just wide open you know, pieces of the concrete, and it's usually in a nice blended color, so it just looks fantastic when you're looking at it. So let's talk about the installation. It seemed to me that these are going to be a bit easier to install than a regular paver brick. First of all, there's fewer of them, and secondly, they're a little more tolerant to maybe some prep mistakes, and maybe you don't quite get the base as solid as you would like to get it, and it seems to me that they're going to be more tolerant and stay flatter and more stable over the years. The smaller pavers, there's a little more emphasis put on that base material, and getting that in there and compacted down. With these, you still want to do that and get it, you know, as smooth as possible, level it out. You don't want these tipping or having some point where you could have weight on there that might crack it down the road. But yeah, generally as a rule, you see people not having to go as deep with that base material on these. And then as you lay them down, you know, you can, uh, you know, buddy system usually on the 24-inch squares, laying those down, and you can make pretty good time just button them up against one another and going. Now, Ted, when you're installing, is there anything specific we have to do? Is there a frame or anything I have to use first to kind of keep my pattern and everything sort of inset and stable? Yeah, a common mistake is that people think, man, these pavers are so big that they're not going to move, but you'll be amazed that they will slide out over time. So people need to use some sort of edge restraint. There's plastic versions, aluminum ones. You can buy them at stores. They're usually in a six-foot piece that you just you hide. They're almost hidden. They catch the bottom half of the of the paver that you're using along the edges and it tacks it down with like a landscape spikes along there. But then those get covered back up with the earth or the grass right there, but they hold that whole project together. So it's kind of one area you do want to make sure and take the time and do that when you're finishing it up. Ted Woods from Pavestone. Thank you so much for stopping by the money pit, filling us in on the new large format paver blocks. I can't wait to get some projects uh, lined up here where I can test those out. Thanks again, Ted. Thanks for having me. You've got the money pit, and we are sharing a ton of advice for fun projects this fall season, from decorating and decor on the inside, even on the outside, getting all those Halloween decorations and autumn looks up and running, to all kinds of projects inside. Whatever it is you are working on, guys, we are here to help you create your best home ever. So follow us on your favorite podcast app at moneypit.com slash podcast. That's moneypit.com slash podcast. We've got Jim from Illinois on the line who needs some help with a deck project. What's going on? Yeah, I've got an older deck. It's at least 10 years old, and I haven't taken care of it like I should. And so it's starting to wear, and obviously it's pretty dirty. So my question is uh, power wash it only and then uh, and then use some type of a treatment, or what do you recommend? So is the deck structurally okay? Is it just sort of like cr- like cracked and checked from exposure to the sun? What's its condition now? Structurally, it's really good. And I've actually replaced a few of the deck boards in the past. Mm-hmm. But, yep. you know, when it rains, water kind of ponds on it. And, again, it's not, uh, it's not draining like it should. So I definitely need some kind of treatment on it, I believe. So what you could do is, first of all, you can, you can go ahead and pressure wash it, but gently, okay, just to make sure you're getting any surface dirt sort of out of that. And there's some deck wash products that make it a little bit easier to do this. You kind of scrub it down with a brush a little bit first, and then you rinse it off. You don't want to go too aggressive, though, especially with an older deck, because you're going to wear away more of that wood than you want to. Then you want to let it dry really, really well, like a couple of days in the sun at least. Maybe like do it one weekend, and the next weekend plan on doing your staining. And then, in terms of finish, you have some options there, but 
I would recommend considering the age doing a solid color stain because there's a lot of pigment in it. It's soaking really, really well. Uh, it will be, you'll still see the grain and the boards and such, but the stain really will work its way in, in terrifically and, and really protect it for you know the next three to five years. If you take your time and do it right, it's really going to last. And you will find that it's a lot easier to put stain on a deck if you spray it. Now, you can purchase a very inexpensive paint sprayer these days. I mean, they started around $50, $75. Look at one of those Wagner Control Pro models or rent one. But you'll find that it's hugely easier when you do it with a sprayer because a deck is, like, so tricky to get into all the nooks and crannies. Yeah, I I agree completely, Uh, especially where there's cracking. I mean, the paint can get down there better if it can be sprayed in, I believe. Yeah, you'll save a lot of time, too, and and a lot of backache. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I need that. I appreciate it. Okay, Jim, good luck with that project. Thank you. Well, the U.S. Department of Energy reports that dishwashers are the least used home appliance. It's my favorite appliance, I'm going to (laughs) say. I can't imagine that people don't use them. Of the 90 million U.S. households with a dishwasher, nearly 20%, that's 17 million households, say they never use it over the course of a year. Not even Thanksgiving Not ever. Come on, guys. Yeah, and that's a very costly mistake because cleaning a load of dishes in a dishwasher uses 37% less water than washing by hand, saving the average household nearly 5,000 gallons of water per year. And if you do use a dishwasher instead of hand washing, you can also cut your annual energy costs by more than 40 bucks, and that's all according to Energy Star. Now, you can actually save even more when you use the dishwasher if you do the following. Scrape your dishes instead of rinsing them before you load them into the dishwasher. Pre-rinsing your dishes actually uses up to 20 gallons of water. So again, just stick it right in the dishwasher. Just make sure you scrape all the junk off. That's what it's designed to do. Seriously, that's what it does. Only run that dishwasher when there's a full load and use shorter washing cycles for those lightly soiled dishes. There's a lot of options on that machine. You can pick and choose the type of wash that you give those dishes. And use a rinsing agent and the air dry setting rather than that heated drying cycle, unless you're in a rush. But definitely that air drying plus the rinsing agent, it's great. And it works just as well as the dried. Absolutely. Now, if your dishwasher is an older one or if it needs a repair and you're going to purchase a new one, make sure it's Energy Star certified. Energy Star dishwashers use less energy and less water than standard models. And this way you can use them with confidence, including the 17 million of you that have one but don't use it. If it's Energy Star, go ahead. You can use it. It's fine. We say so. Anne's doing some work in the kitchen and looking to add an undermount sink, but the counter is wood. Tell us about this project. Well, I was more looking for your opinion uh, of whether I should use a wood countertop for an undermount sink. I know they've got some pretty good um, hardwood countertops that may or may not be, but I'm looking for the long haul. We're mm-hmm. we're at an age where we're going to be retiring within the next few years, and I don't want to have to replace something. Well, first of all, you're talking about a wood kitchen countertop here, or a bathroom? Yeah, yeah. Um, for it's, both, actually, but yeah. Well, I mean, if you're looking for a low maintenance countertop, you should not be looking at wood. <laughs> it's going to be a huge amount of work to take care of. 
uh, under under mounted sink or not, it's a lot of work. You know, you you can you're going to seal it and you're going to varnish it. And I don't know if you want to have an area for chopping, but that's a whole other set of circumstances in terms of how you treat that because the finish has to be non toxic. Uh, but it is a lot of work. So if you're looking for maintenance free, I would definitely not suggest that. Leslie, what do you think are probably the uh, the easiest to care for countertops these days? I mean, I love a natural stone countertop, but are they the easiest to take care of? Not so much. I mean, the composite stones out there, there's a couple of different brands that you can see. There's quartz, there's um, quartzite. Um, they're beautiful, they're durable, they're easy to maintain, and they come in a variety of price points as well. I think when you go with a solid surface like that, it's much better for an undermount sink as far as maintenance and durability. And then if you go with a quartzite product, there's so many different you know colors tones sort of textures to choose from that you'll be able to find something in your price point in a look that you like. I'm just looking to push the crumbs into the sink. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Well, you can have an undercounter top and that's fine. It's just that, you know, I think you called us because you want to know if that was a good installation. But then when you mentioned you're trying to look for something that's maintenance free, I'm telling you, wood is not, wood is a ton of work to take care of. It's so pretty though. It is pretty. Especially with creamy white cabinets. Yeah. Well, listen, you can have some beautiful wood cabinets, but the countertop, I would definitely not go with wood. Okay. Good luck, Ann. Thanks for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Thank you very much. Carol wrote into Team Money Pit saying, I've tried many things to keep mold from forming on my bathroom painted walls like an exhaust fan, dehumidifiers, etc., but I just can't keep it free of mold. Is there something that I can use to cover the walls that I can wipe off easily? It's a small bathroom and I don't really want to tile the walls and have to deal with cleaning the grout. Ah, so Carol sounds like she's looking for a totally maintenance-free bathroom. Be nice if that existed, didn't it? <laughs> it's like in the Jetsons. Do you remember that? They'd shower yeah. in the room, and then the whole thing would spray itself down and like fold up into a wallet. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> now, most people will use the bathroom, turn on the exhaust fan, leave the bathroom, and turn off the fan, turn off the lights, and so on. The trick is that you need to leave it running for at least 10 or 15 minutes after you leave that room. That's what really will move all of that moisture out and let the walls start to dry and therefore not uh, form mold. The other way to do that is instead of a timer, you can use an exhaust fan that has a humidistat built into it. A humidistat is basically a humidity sensing switch, does exactly the same thing. But one way or the other, you've got to extend the time that you're running that exhaust fan. Now, as far as covering the walls, there are certainly tub enclosures available in a wide variety of pricing. Leslie, what's your take on this? I mean, I've seen them made from plastic all the way up to Corian. You know, they can cost a couple hundred bucks or a couple of thousand bucks. I mean, they can. And some of them really look fantastic. And I love the fact that you're completely changing the look of the space in a short amount of time. Um, You do lose like a little bit of space in that area, but they can be great. They can be easy to clean. And they definitely, you know, you'll find something in a variety of price points. It's definitely a good solution short of tiling everything. With record interest rates, many potential first-time homeowners are choosing to rent rather than buy. If you're getting ready to rent an apartment, there are many things to consider outside of just those four walls. Leslie tells you what you need to know to make the best choice in where you live in this edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know, moving is really a big step, especially if it's your first time doing so. So choosing the best rental is key, but you have to make sure that you're thinking about the commute, And the neighborhood, they are both equally important. I remember when I got my first apartment when I was like 22 years old, my grandpa was like, drive by it at the night, drive by it in the day, see what it's like, make sure you're comfortable in that spot. So you've got to think about a lot of things. But first of all, let's talk about driving distance. It could be the best apartment ever, 
But if it's like a half an hour or more of a commute to your school or your job or whatever it is, that drive or however you're getting to and from is going to get old quick. So distance doesn't have to be the deciding factor in the choosing of your apartment, but it does matter. So make sure you're considering that because it means time spent on the road every day, money spent on gas or some sort of public transportation, and that could potentially strain your budget even further. Also, what do the traffic patterns look like around the neighborhood that you're considering? If you've got a car, is there reasonable parking places? If you don't have a car, what's that access to the public transportation? How long is it going to take you to get to work, whether you're using that public transportation or you're getting yourself there on your own? And also, don't forget to think about the local shops, the grocery stores, the restaurants, the bars, the social activities, all of that stuff. Really examine that neighborhood. It's going to tell you a lot about the atmosphere and whether or not it's a place where you really want to live. There's so much to consider, and you're not always going to get it right, but you can try your hardest to do so. If you want some more tips, check out the eight things you need to know before getting your first apartment on MoneyPit.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, if you're a big drinker of bottled water, you may have noticed that the price never seems to go down. If you're ready for a healthy alternative to the cost and all the waste, we're going to share tips on whole house water filters that both save money and deliver great tasting water on the next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 